Welcome to the Cell Intel podcast, where we explore how single cell and spatial analysis methods are being adopted and are accelerating discoveries in life science research. Today, our episode is talking about a resolution part three, prep for deep space. I'm Melissa Randall, and I'm here with Neil Weingarten. We have a special guest today, James Chell, who's coming to us from Stockholm, Sweden. He's working on our Visium assay in our R&D group at 10X Genomics. We're really excited to talk to you today, James. Welcome. Thanks. Uh, pleasure to be here, Melissa. Wonderful. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the 10X Genomics Visium assay, I'm going to go ahead and ask Neil to give us a really brief introduction here. So, you know, we've already talked in some of the previous episodes about our single cell application, and, and really this is an extension into putting all of the, the transcriptomic information into spatial context. And so instead of dissociating tissues into single cells now, what we're actually doing is taking a thin section of the tissue placing it onto a, a capture slide that essentially has a, a number of probes underneath it in a very ordered arrangement. And so the transcripts are actually captured by those capture probes and maintain their spatial context. And so when we ultimately sequence the information, rather than associating the transcripts back to an individual cell, we're associating them back to coordinates within the tissue. And so it allows us to see what's actually happening in various regions of a tissue, which can be very different depending on what's going on inside. There's a lot of substructures within the tissue, and so we can tease all of that information out. Wonderful. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, so the core of this technology is really maintaining the spatial context of gene expression within a tissue and being able to overlay your gene expression profiles with that underlying histological context. Now, James has been working hard to develop this technology in Sweden, and I actually had the honor of meeting him a couple years ago when I traveled there to train on this technology. James, can you tell us a little bit about your position and how you got here? Sure. I'm Nari scientist, so a senior scientist at 10X, and my route towards working to 10X Genomics was via the spatial transcriptomics company, the, the technology which Visium was developed from. So I, I was already living in Sweden, in Stockholm, working at the Karolinska with Jonas Friesen, mainly working in, in stem cells and spinal cord injury in model organisms. So lots of molecular biology and microscopy. And Jonas was one of the founders and, and inventors of spatial transcriptomics. And when I was finishing up with a fellowship in his lab, obviously via Jonas, but the CEO for Spatial Transcriptomics reached out to me and said, we have this really exciting project ongoing, trying to commercialize this technology. Would you like to come and join the team? So I was the fifth member of the team to go and join, which is very fun. Everybody doing everything, folding product boxes, etc. And then, of course, I was there for the incorporation into 10X when everything just got turbocharged and was had the privilege of being on the team that developed Visium, led by Zach out of Pleasanton. And I have uh, yeah remained in place, and now I've been leading the development of our Visium for FFP product, which I guess we'll get into today. Yeah, great. Excited to talk about that. Now, currently, the Visium technology is compatible with fresh frozen tissues, meaning you're obtaining samples, you are flash freezing them, embedding in OCT and sectioning, keeping everything cold at all times. Now, what James is here to talk about today 
today is our Visium for FFPE assay. So James, can you tell us why was it important to develop a Visium product for these FFPE tissues? Formalin fixation and paraffin embedding, this is the standard for clinical samples in the hospital for preservation and storage, and it's what makes up the, the the large mass of what we hold in biobanks. And some of these samples are of extremely high value. They're from studies and cohorts, which would be very difficult to recreate. And really, it also comes from our user perspective, our customers, when we listen to them. Some, this is their standard workflow to work with this kind of sample. They can often, you know, find fresh frozen alternatives or equivalents, but sometimes they can't. And sometimes they already have internally a very precious set that they would love to analyze. And they've been asking and asking, I really want to run these samples with Visium. There's a huge, it's really about enabling a huge new bulk of samples for Visium. I used to work at a at a core that was in a cancer hospital, and, and obviously we had lots of requests for working from FFP tissue because, as you said, it, it's really the standard. Can you talk a little bit about, if it is the standard, why we didn't necessarily start there and, and what the challenges are? Yeah, so I think the reason no one starts there with when they're developing NGS assays is because that formalin fixation, all the cross-linking, covalent cross-linking that's involved, it's a cross-linking fixative, and the RNA is very susceptible to that. It gets cross-linked and modified, and then during that fixation and embedding process, and then while it sits on the shelf, often for many years at room temperature, the RNA degrades. So what you're left with, your analytes are really poor quality. Making your standard library prep protocol or etc. work with that material is a huge challenge. Are, are your targets still intact? It's a real, it's a tricky place to, to work your magic. So I think that's why it's always comes a bit later. Yeah, I always used to have to explain to people that this was a standard that was developed for the histologists, and it protects the tissue, and it's beautiful for staining proteins and things like that. But when it was developed, they weren't thinking about whole transcriptome assays and things like that back then. It's, a, it's an important standard and an important tissue type, or a sample type, but it's always been a challenge for nucleic acids. And I think that's what I'm interested to hear about how we've addressed some of those challenges. So. James, would you mind going into the steps of the workflow just briefly from that FFPE block of tissue to data analysis and maybe compare the workflow relative to the fresh frozen assay? Yeah, I think to explain or to make sense of when I go through the workflow a little bit, I should say the way we addressed this issue and accessed uh, these samples for Visium was to no longer rely on capturing the transcript directly via its poly A tail. So... This is an assay based on hybridization, a split probe approach. So for every target in a gene of interest, in a transcript set of interest, we target, we target a region with two separate probes and both must bind. And then we'd ligate that. And that full ligation product has to be intact and correct to then get taken through all the way to the assay at the end and be analyzed. So that gives us a good baseline specificity to begin with. And I think really what we aim to do, as well as really just bring all the advantages of Visium to FFP and also to keep the workflow as familiar and user-friendly as possible. I think the main difference at the beginning is this sample type. So I know there's lots of talk about fresh frozen sectioning and what's the humidity in your lab on that day and whether the section will fly away or not. FFP is a, a different challenge to get onto the slides. We take five micron sections, a little bit thinner, which is more the standard for pathology and having a nice H&E image. And then we float that into a water bath, a heated water bath to relax the section. 
And then we put the, the slide into the water bath and essentially fish the section out onto the slide. And if you're new to this, like we were in the beginning, it's, it has its own challenges to get started. We're going to be supplying lots of tips and tricks, but we think lots of people will be using core facilities to, to help section. And once you've got it on the slide, it's very stable. You don't have to start your protocol away. One thing we've tried to do is have stopping points everywhere so people can really uh, take their time uh, and not panic at any point so once you've got it on the slide it's just visium and h and e stain as standard we've tweaked the h and e a little bit because we wanted to have a bit better contrast with the eosin and allow the, the people interested in the clinic and the pathologists to have a, a high quality image they're used to so the staining's a bit different and then we're recommending cover slipping and really taking a good image that, that the pathologist can work with and with a future towards integrating with digital pathology which is very exciting so stain an image and then we're removing the cover slip and we're into the cassette just like with Visium. So then we're all about on-slide workflow prior to the later library prep. So in our workflow, first you'll decrosslink. So we mentioned that the formalin forms all these crosslinks and modifications, and then just using heat in a buffer, we're able to remove a lot of that and release a lot of this RNA to be analyzed. The next major step after decrosslinking then is the hybridization. And the hybridization of the probes, which is we're whole transcriptome here, so lots of probes, the hybridization is happening overnight. So actually your first day, if you sectioned the day before or the week before or a couple of weeks before and your section's been the desiccator, you'll take your section, remove the wax, stain it, you know, image it, and a couple of smaller steps, and then you'll put it put it to bed uh, in the hype solution uh, and let it have a peaceful time overnight. So it's really a low impact first day for the user, little hands on time. Then the next day you'll start by, the main step will be ligating those, those hybridized probes together, a probe pair for each target. And then what we do then is we release that ligated product. And this is where we're on the same Visium slides now. So one of our probes has a poly A tail. So what we'll do is with an enzymatic digestion of the RNA, we'll release this ligated DNA product, this, and, it will, and then we'll permeabilize. So just like with Visium, so we'll release it from the RNA, then we'll permeabilize the tissue. And then our ligated, fully formed targeted products will migrate down and be captured on the array, just as standard. So then we just have one more key step on the array, and that's how we add our spatial barcode to these ligation products. So after capturing with the poly A tail, we'll just do a very simple extension reaction, which will then go down and incorporate our UMI and our spatial barcode from the array. And then all we need to do is release that product, capture into a test tube, and then it's just a SIPCR and a, and a quick bead cleanup, and away you go. So actually, there's more of the protocol on the slide, and it's a very easy library prep, a little bit simpler. But anyone that's been for touching Visium at all, it will be super familiar. And we think it's a, a pretty easy two days. We've had lots of naive users, some computational biologists have tried it and they said it was easy. So yeah, we're pretty happy with the user friendliness. And I know when I went to visit Sweden, I was one of those naive users working with the fresh frozen assay. I will comment as well in that this FFPE assay is different in the initial steps, given that we don't have to perform tissue optimization. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so we really wanted to, I think one thing you can say is this FFP process maybe pulls different tissues. Tissues are very different in their structure. 
perhaps it pulls them a little bit towards the middle in terms of how different they are. But we really aimed to have a universal permeabilization, which would mean we didn't need the tissue optimization experiment. So we did a lot of testing on many tissues and we found we have essentially really a, a solid window for each tissue and they all overlapped very nicely. Basically, we were able to say, okay, under these conditions, after a lot of testing, one shot, 40 minutes, all the tissues are happy. So maybe that was one advantage of FFP. I don't know if it would have been as easy without them all having been through that process of fixation and embedding. So it sounds like there's been a lot of work around ease of use. Can you talk about some other things that your team had to consider about the customer's experience when designing this Visium for FFPE assay? Sure. I I think I touched on it a little bit. One thing that we've been listening to uh, our users and our customers about is the fact that for Visium and with this Visium for FFPE product, it will be the same, is often people need to move around different core facilities in their institution or across town or the samples moving around between different groups. And then from the beginning, we had a focus on making sure that we had stopping points that would allow where we anticipate those transfers occurring between the imaging suite and molecular biology, between perhaps the histology core and the sectioning and the imaging if they're separate. So I think, yeah, and I think we succeeded quite well. There are, I think you'll see when all the literature is released, there's a number of stopping points. So hopefully any user can find their way to make a non-stressful, controlled experiment, no matter how their facilities are structured. So I think that was one thing we really tried to make sure we, we covered. One of the things that I always loved as a 10 Genomics customer was that there was an additional emphasis just on providing analysis tools that are going to be very tractable to the user. And we've talked previously about the Loop browser and, and things like that. I, I always appreciated the fact that we had these wonderful web summary files that, that just give a glimpse of the quality of the experiment that's a very easily done digested document and stuff like that. With the FFP solution, I'm assuming all of those tools are still in place. Was anything new added? Exactly. So here, I think, again, if you've been using Visium, you'll be able to immediately open up the web summary, understand what's going on. So with the web summary, obviously, there's some where it's a different chemistry. So some of the metrics have, have changed to, to make sense to this chemistry. But essentially, it's going to be very familiar. You open it up, how, how your mapping is, how your usable reads are, and you have that that unbiased clustering, which is just your sanity check. Do I have clusters that match the morphology of my tissue? Things are okay. And then moving into Loop Browser, what I think one thing that was uh, in the last uh, release of the Loop Browser, which is fantastic, is the brush selection tool. So in the very beginning, it was just this lasso, which was quite tricky. But now you can really choose your regions of interest and make features at will so easily, removing, adding a spot that's wrong or right. And allowing that, you know, to always go back to this very rich data set and interrogate it and understand it in new ways, I think is really there. And I think, so really we've made sure it fits in exactly with the same vision workflow is already very powerful. And then I think in the future, we'll be looking to see what new functionality we can bring, specifically thinking about who's going to be using the, the, the FFP for Visium product the most and what we can do with their integrated workflows with digital pathology, etc. But in, in the first instance, it's just going to be the very powerful, familiar 
experience of the loop browser. It's funny you mentioned the brush tools. Sometimes it's the simplest little thing that's added yeah. that makes a big difference. I remember doing loop demos and I've always loved showing Visium loop demos. We're trying to trace out the hippocampus with the lasso tool and I'd always mess up a little bit. And then yeah, I was like, was... it was not so fun. The brush is amazing. No. It's really amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. And this FFPE assay is going to be compatible with immunofluorescence as well as H&E, correct? Yeah, that's right. So we wanted to make sure we maintained that compatibility. When users are going into that workflow, we'll actually ask them before the staining to do the decrosslinking first to cause you could call it antigen retrieval, which is what it would be called in the IHC world, this heating step. And then they'll be able to perform their IF as standard. If they have good antibodies, you'll have to test your antibodies to make sure they're working well in, in this FFP tissue. And then you should, we've found that you get back the same data, the same clustering, as you would expect, good sensitivity. So IF will be there ready for people that want to have that protein overlay of their gene expression data. Sounds great. Now, you mentioned just their sensitivity, and I'm sure what everybody's wondering is, how does this really stack up? Can you comment a little bit about the types of data we're able to generate here, maybe what some of that preliminary data looks like? Yeah, so I think we're, if we talk about it in, in comparison to our, our Visium, you know, existing Visium product, which is where we've been comparing ourselves all the way along because we wanted to offer that same experience. In the beginning, at the very beginning of the project, we were like, how much of Visium sensitivity or output performance could we capture? And we never really expected to be able to match Visium, which is an amazing assay. It really generates so much data, pulls so much from a tissue section. But what we found is, and if we have high quality FFP blocks, so ones that were didn't spend a long time out of fix after they were taken in surgery, so low ischemia times and treated well through fixing and embedding and haven't been on the shelf too many years, then we've actually found we can match fresh frozen physium in terms of how many genes and UMIs we're going to take from a section per spot, which, yeah, I think we surprised ourselves with, with that performance. So we're really eager uh, to get this into the hands of, of customers, users, see what they can do with it. We've uh, got some early collaborators using it who were pretty blown away by the amount of data they're starting to pull out of sections. Yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, and we're really happy with how the assay is uh, performing. I think people will be happy when they start using it. From the FAS team perspective, I can say that we're all really excited about this technology. And I heard from one of my beta sites just that it looks so great. That was the level of detail I got, but it was nice to hear from somebody hands-on who's had experience with this assay. So we're really excited to see it hit the field, see what people can do with this technology. And I think you've done a really good job commenting about how straightforward it is, how many safe stopping points we have in the workflow, and how we're really enabling people to utilize this technology, even if they're new users. I think really the most important topic that we haven't touched on yet is what are some examples of discoveries that are now enabled by this technology? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So I think obviously uh, the technology hasn't been out there yet, but what we know is what we've done is just bring Visium and as Neil touched on bringing that spatial context to your omics data, to your gene expression data. 
And what that means is, and what we've seen in youth cases with collaborators, is looking new insights when looking at response to a, to a therapeutic intervention, more understanding there. And in you know solid tumours, this is big, something that's uh, a huge research area, looking at immune infiltration, how do immune cells interact with the stroma and the cancer cells, and finding surprising things there that you do miss if you're not spatial, because there's so much heterogeneity, and you can very easily miss that window of see that interaction, identify which subtypes of cells are in proximity and look at progression of how that comes about and where would be the window and what would be the cell or molecule that you want to target when you're trying to bring new opportunities for therapies to to diseases. So I think really, yeah, we've seen a lot of excitement around this in its early days, but really it's just bringing all those core powerful benefits of Visium that everyone's familiar with and bringing it into the FFP realm. You know what that music means, it's time for Little Gems. With 10X Genomics single cell and spatial analysis technologies, you're analyzing the whole transcriptome, but what if you want to look deeper at certain genes? For human single cell and Visium libraries, you can look deeper in all kinds of ways. You can use our pre-designed panels to look specifically at cancer, immunology, neuroscience, or cell signaling related genes, or you can design your own panels with our online tool. By going back and reanalyzing the whole transcriptome library you've already generated, you're performing deeper sequencing to identify rare transcripts, and you can save money on sequencing costs by doing about tenfold less sequencing than you would for a whole transcriptome library. And now, you can also design your own targeted panels for mouse single-cell libraries. Get more information at 10xgenomics.com forward slash gem3, that's G-E-M-3. I think one of the things that I've been most excited about, I was joking with some of my colleagues, like each new product launch from 10X Genomics is my new favorite product launch. And <laughs> this one is definitely continuing that trend. I can't wait. Having having had a previous experience in a world where FFPE was so important to what we were studying, this just opens up a lot of retrospective studies of there are some very precious sample biobanks out there of rarer diseases that when we have to worry about trying to get things fresh frozen and maybe more required to do a prospective study, it can take a long time to to get yeah. that data. And now we can go back into these this wealth of information that's living there in these biobanks, if you will, and just start to tease out some of this information. And I really think that it's going to accelerate discovery dramatically. Yeah, that, that's a, a great point. And where we are right now, so I think really it's, as we touched on, it's about RNA quality, but in terms of the biobanks, it's more about RNA quality than age. Age is just a number. However, we know you can take samples already five to 10 years old and they work with this assay. Some samples that are 10 years old won't work. They'll have 
be terrible. Some samples that were one year old that really were not preserved, they won't work, but we're going to have a QC step so people can very easily extract RNA from a section or two, look at the RNA, look at its fragmentation state, and then know which blocks to proceed with. But we know, to, to your point, Neil, yeah, you can start already to get into that archive. And at the beginning, we weren't sure how far we could get. It was viable. If we could just allow people doing prospective studies, this mm-hmm. would already be a win. But for sure, even with this first product release, we're already into the archive quite a few years. So we're, we're happy with that and really excited uh, to see what develops around that. We're really excited to be supporting it in the field. I may have kind of missed the train on this, but if I ever get the opportunity to come back to Sweden, I'd love to to be hands-on with you again in lab. I have really fond memories of that trip. And I remember one time at the end of the week, we were out at this fancy restaurant eating our Swedish meatballs, and we noticed that it was snowing outside, and we made the waiter open the windows so that we could watch the snow (laughs) falling in Sweden. And I'm sure he just thought we were absolutely ridiculous for requesting such a thing yeah the snow is beautiful but it also does make you appreciate those times when there is no snow that's for sure <laughs> i'm sure wonderful i want to thank our guest james chell with r&d based out of stockholm sweden you can find more episodes of cell intel podcast at 10xgenomics.com forward slash cell dash intel Subscribe if you want to be notified about new episodes, have the opportunity to give some feedback, or participate in polling questions or trivia contests for a chance to win a goodie and have your name, institution, and research area mentioned on the air. If you liked our podcast, your friends probably will too, so let them know about us. Thank you for listening and keep seeking out the possibilities. (music) 